I'm John Brandian, professional comedian for more than 30 years. And I'm Amanda McKinney, John's daughter for more than 30 years. Our family believes laughing is a learned behavior, and we want to teach you how we do it. So welcome to the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Okay. So the cicadas are coming, Peach. Huh? The cicadas. Billions and billions of cicadas. It's Brood X, and they're going to be here. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you should. It's not just a Facebook phenomenon. The, the 17 years, every 17 years, there's a boatload of cicadas that that come out of the ground and start flying around, and then they mate, and then they die, and mm-hmm. uh, and and then they're their offspring go back into the ground for another 17 years. Mm. And and it's going to start like in May, like the, the beginning of May or so, and then by the end of June, they'll all be gone. I mean, if you're a squirrel or a possum or a spider, <laughs> if, you're, if you're any type of a being that eats cicadas, this is going to be the summer for you. Okay. I will keep that in mind when I become a raccoon <laughs> or whatever. Brood X is only every, every 17 years. So That's so fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> last episode, we were talking about um, how people, when they get married, they say the vows and they don't even think about the vows. And people listened. Carl listened. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're listening right now, your name is Carl. Welcome. Welcome to the comedian next door. And listening right now, our our sole listener, we we talk to you as if you were the only person in the room, and we have given you a name. Because and that you name are is the Carl. only listener, you are the only person in the whole room. Right, as far as we're concerned. So welcome, thanks for joining us today, Carl. Welcome, neighbor. So last week, Carl was listening to us talk about wedding vows, and mm-hmm. Carl wrote to us, mm-hmm. and Carl took us up on our offer to write his wedding vows. Yes, he did, or she. And it was uh, high scrap metal and peaches. Scrap metal we haven't explained on this podcast either. <laughs> That's your. There isn't even really an explanation for that, except that the kids were playing a video game where they had to collect scrap metal for, for something. It was currency in their video game, and you came in, and they were like, "It's Grandpa scrap metal." Uh-huh. And then I, it just became scrap metal. So, yeah, I am um, scrap metal to Cammy. My granddaughter. Scrap Metal and Peaches. I've been a big fan of Comedy Sojourn, uh, which is now the comedian next door for years. I'm getting married on May 8th, and I hear you're dishing out really real wedding vows. Um, may I please have some? Thanks. You guys are great. Keep up the good work. Um, and the answer to that question is, of course, you can have some real wedding vows. <laughs> we we were hypothesized last time about how much fun it would be to listen to a wedding where the bride and groom, rather than doing strictly poetic, mm-hmm. um, sentimental wedding vows, they actually said um, vows. They made vows that they could keep. Right. What if they put some thought into it mm-hmm. instead of just trying to like outdo Hollywood or make somebody cry in the audience? Right. What if they What if they actually said what they what they mean right. rather than what they're supposed to say? And so we took a crack at it. All right, and, and we we both written. We some haven't heard vows. these, by the way. No, I we wrote. Haven't. We both wrote our own versions independently, and 
Mm-hmm. We both, yeah, we haven't seen these wedding vows, and we didn't consult each other on what to do. But the the peaches is going to do wedding vows for a bride, and I'm going to do wedding vows for a groom, mm-hmm. as if they were written by a Christian who is writing vows strictly from the standpoint of being able being to honest. keep them. Yeah. Right. Being honest and so, so trying not to perjure themselves in the future. Right. If you yeah. don't mean if you don't mean for better or for worse until we until one of us dies, mm-hmm. then don't say that. Right. So that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Be, be honest. Yeah. Okay. You want me to go first? I don't know who goes first. Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Okay. <clears throat> I feel pretty confident that I'll be enthusiastic about this marriage for at least a year. According to the Bible, God doesn't like divorce. But it does say I can divorce you if you're unfaithful. So if you cheat on me, I'm out. Also, I don't want to talk in the morning. If you ask me questions or try to start conversations before I've had a chance to wake up, I will get annoyed and reserve the right to call it quits. You can't drive my car. You can't touch my video games. And you can't ask me to fix stuff around the house because I'm not good at that. And it makes me feel inferior when you ask me about it. It's possible that I will develop feelings for other people in the future, and I promise I won't act upon those feelings until they persist for at least a week. At that point, I'll give you a chance to try to win me back. I will try to put your needs before my own for as long as I sense that you are doing the same. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that this relationship will last for many, many years. Aww. Yeah. Was that kind of sensitive? That's that's eerily similar to what i wrote <laughs> is that so that's what you kind of anticipated I yeah was i'm not do. at all surprised because it's, it's well here i'll read you mine okay, okay. Now, should we should we hold hands when you do this <laughs> no that would be really weird <laughs> it's already weird enough but i started this with okay, okay let me read this this sentence this your vows i don't want to make any promises that are impossible so i can't promise to always feel a certain way now pause because that line is actually part of my vows to Luke. <laughs> you literally said <laughs> that literally to the man that you were about to marry. So, Carl, don't think I'm giving you inferior material here. Like, this is actual material that she has said at her own wedding. <laughs> I used this, and you can use it too. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, you may not may not I find it as helpful. I can't promise to feel a certain way. Yeah, I can't promise... I don't want to make any promises that are impossible, so I can't promise to always feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. But this this is not part of my vows to Luke. Okay, now. But I can promise to continue saying sweet things about our relationship on social media as long as our friends react with hearts and awe comments, which make it fun for me. <laughs> I do promise to read plenty of best-selling Christian marriage books so that when I get upset with you, I will have quotes from my favorite author to explain why you're wrong. <laughs> And I wholeheartedly promise that I will live with you. I will be only your wife. I will make you my chief obsession, at least until the kids are born. And I will never do these things with another man unless I can find a way to accuse you of some kind of unfaithfulness in the future. Yeah. At that point, once it's clear things are much worse than better... I will take the kids and a large portion of money, and shortly after the divorce is final, I will make new vows to someone who's better husband material than you, so don't screw up. That's sweet. (laughs) There you go. That's sweet. And I'm picturing the mother's 
uh, in the front row wiping tears from their eyes. It's so beautiful. You know what's funny? It's so beautiful. What's funny is that I would be a mother who would be like, holy cow, I have raised children who actually care about what they say. What they like, say. I really would. So you would actually be uh, appreciative of these Yes, vows. there would be a part, a big part of me that would be touched by Okay, they're not kids who just go with the flow. They don't just they don't just do <laughs> they what they've been told that, to do. You know, they want to apply a little bit of discernment to their actions. They're not going to go and get married because they're a certain age. They're 25 years old and that's what you do in America when you're 25, you know. And so so a part of me would be like Yes. Yes. I have succeeded I as have a mother. I have succeeded yeah. in raising a daughter who is going to be incredibly difficult to yeah. live with. Uh, well, yeah, she will well, be. I don't, a know, I don't know that you would be difficult, more difficult to live with because you you're getting it all out. You're getting all the real the real uh, thoughts out on the table. Right. Well, she would go through periods of being very difficult to live with, but everybody does. I think it would actually be easier in the long run. To be dealing with a, a person who, a woman, who is thoughtful and introspective enough to go, yeah, woman these are adds. things that I, these are things that I'm tempted toward. And I know this about myself and I know that I'm selfish and I know that I've, you know, I know that I'm, I want to do things that, um, that I shouldn't and then justify it later. Like that's always what I meant, you know? So. Right. Right. Well, and the, the the whole reason that we did this was just to to be sort of. Uh, I mean, it's kind of tongue in cheek. It's kind of a joke. Mm, yeah. So, sort of. There's an element sort of, of truth in every joke. There is though. an element of truth to every joke. Tell and, them about that comedian. And and it is a, and and, and we're not saying that uh, that you shouldn't take vows until death do us part. Uh, what we're saying is you should think about that and mean it when you say it. And if you. If you say till death do us part, I will I will have and hold you. But in the back of your mind, you're going unless. Then you should articulate that unless, right. or else, uh, or else realize that you're taking you're a lifelong commitment. Right. Yeah, you're you're setting yourself up to lie. Right. You're holding back the part that you really mean. You're holding back your sincere thoughts and not expressing them because you know how it sounds. Basically now everybody knows how it sounds when you say, you know, I'm only going to stick with this in, as long as it feels good or until I have a better offer. Right. And if that's what you mean, then you should say that. Just don't be surprised when there are some people who are scandalized yeah. when you Start well, speaking that honestly. Well, so that was a kind of a uh, recap from last week. We got a couple. It was actually two different people from two different relationships who asked That's us true, to, to write to their write wedding, wedding vows. vows. Yeah. Um, so you, either one of you can take either of those if you'd like. Yes. By the way, those are not copyrighted. It's right. public domain. Is it copyrighted or copywritten? Copyrighted. <laughs> Copywrote. Those are not. not neither of those are copyrighted, <laughs> and you are able to use them. Um, without any sort of licensing, and you don't even need to attribute them. In fact, we would prefer that Probably you not attribute shouldn't. them to us. <laughs> <laughs> these are, if you use these in your wedding vows... Please it, don't tell anybody where you got them. It is not the responsibility of John Brandon Comedy or the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. <laughs> nope. Or We are not liable for yes. any of the consequences... Please that don't you, sue us. ...that you suffer for <laughs> uttering these wedding vows. Uh, and we got another email, too. Right? We did. Hold on. This is, this calls for... Good grief. This is 
the segment of the show where we take some sort of pain and suffering and we help you find what's funny in it. And uh, I'll be honest, this this uh, question that came in, I was not expecting to get it this soon. I was not expecting to get it within the first week yeah. or two. We're going right for the jugular. Uh, good grief. I, I, yeah, I, I good sort grief. of... <laughs> I sort of thought that we would establish uh, a little more playful and uh, and and fun episodes of Good Grief before we got into the hardcore stuff. But here it is. All right, uh, the email. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, there's the, there's a doorbell. Ding dong. That's all part of the email. That's all part of the yeah. email. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, there's a doorbell. Ding dong. Hi, neighbor Carla here. Uh, I've got some good grief that I'd like help with. In October of 2018, I had a baby girl that was stillborn due to a fatal brain defect called anencephal. What is it? Is it anencephaly? Anencephaly. Or is it anencephaly? Right. Because I think they're two different things. Okay, so, have to do so with we're the brain. three sentences into this, and there's a uh, there's a stillborn child. Yeah. So let's see you make that funny. Uh, we got the diagnosis at 13 weeks and spent six months carrying Lizzie to term and grieving. I've learned the power of humor to combat suffering. For example, a friend asked on social media if anyone wanted to attend a mother-daughter tea party. I was feeling sad my girl was too dead to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I told my husband, I'd love to go, but I just can't find a dress that suits Lizzie's urn. but i didn't comment that online because and this is what i want to talk about because i didn't want a barrage of pitying pitying replies how do i determine this is such a great question how do i determine when bringing up my suffering humorously will be helpful and when it's just a cry for attention Mm. okay now yeah uh, also, one of your light bulbs on the porch is out. I've got a ladder you can borrow if you want. <laughs> we'll exchange our head clippers for your ladder. <laughs> yeah, we can use your and, ladder. And I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for some more taglines for the comedian next door too. Right. So. We all, I'm also going to need to borrow a light bulb too. Maybe we can count that ones. one too. We heard from Carl for this segment, and maybe we can work in a light bulb. One of your out. light bulbs yeah. on your porch is out. Yeah, yeah, that can. We can do something with That's that. That's a good line. So anyway. Okay. Well, uh, all right. I, I want to get out of the way, first and foremost, that anytime you are dealing with a, with a severe, profound tragedy. Again, I was hoping that people were going to send us things about, I had a flat tire on the way to work, and then a car drove past and splashed mud on my clothes. That's the sort of stuff I was hoping yeah. we'd get to start out <laughs> with. But yeah. okay. When you're dealing with an actual profound uh, tragedy, the important thing to bear in mind is that the purpose of humor is to is to distract you from the suffering. It is Novocaine. It's laughing gas. It is a thing that helps you um, alleviate the pain of the suffering. And so, at no point should you take our mirth and uh, our our merriment as indicative of the fact that we do not care. We're not saying that what's happening to you is not sad. We're not saying that you should not grieve. What we're saying is that the purpose of of comedy is finding something to take your mind off of the grief. And the more profound the grief is, the more important it is that you find something to be distracted 
Right. Bye. Well, and and they're two sides of the same coin too. Laughter and crying are not opposites. They're Correct. actually really, really intimately related. And I think that one of the one of the movies right. that does this the best that I've ever seen is Pixar's Inside Out, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. one of my favorites for talking with kids about emotions. Because it shows that the memories that uh, I, don't, I can't go through the whole movie, but the, there's memories <laughs> well, yeah, involved. Minutes, Peach. And um, and whatever memories, the whole movie, the characters are trying to basically eradicate sadness and hold on only to the happiness. Right. And the the movie points out that you can't do that; that the two of them have to go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. that that's um, next level, I think. Uh, realization when it comes to comedy and comedy writing and like you were saying it would it would be a lot easier if we could just stick with the slipping on banana peels and sure you know (laughs) sure well and and a lot of people would like to do that a lot of people share my sentiment and why can't we just talk about falling down on the ice why can't we just talk about pimples on the end of our noses at inopportune times (laughs) yeah we should do that too we Um, should yeah but but the, you're not really using your God-given sense of humor as as effectively as you could when uh, when you only relegate when when you set aside a specific time for joking. When you say, "Well, this is not an appropriate time for joking," I would push back on that a little bit. I think that there's always it's always an appropriate time for joking um, if you're if you're doing it to try to bring about levity and relief right. and and to improve another person's right. life not to say that that the goal is to suffer it's to race through suffering and and to race through grief but it's a as you said it's a it's all part of the process and it's right. not one or the other but the problem is the problem is now that we we have a grieving mother who's actually leveled up already she's already leveled she up, already right? is I don't, writing I don't need her own to tell jokes. her this stuff because she's already doing it <laughs> right but her problem is she's not sure everybody else is ready right. and she's probably right and and, yeah. and her question her question is excellent and it's profound because I, the first thing i want to say carla is uh, is good for you for uh making a joke and saying my little girl was too dead to go right so she's too dead there's too much deadness <laughs> too much. it's a little little too Tips dead the scales on that um, one yeah it's fantastic i'd love to go but i can't find a dress that suits lizzie's urn mm-hmm. uh, that i have nothing to add to that right that she is she doesn't actually need your help coming up with a line she's correct. just like when am i ever going to be able to use this right yeah. and, and that is um so, so there's two parts to that. First, I want to I want to elevate her and lift her up and say, "Good for you. You don't need my advice for right. how to incorporate humor in suffering." But your question about um, I want to get it right. How do I determine when bringing up my suffering humorously will be helpful and when it's a cry for attention? Yeah, because what's going to happen is if, as a woman, I can tell you, because I'm in lots of mommy groups and lots of Christian sister encouragement groups and things like that. Right. And I can tell you that if she were to say something like that online, for example, on social media, if she were to say, well, I'd love to go to this mother-daughter tea, but I don't have a dress for my daughter's urn. Right. People would not laugh. Right. I don't think people I, people would fall all over themselves to apologize, apologize. to her. Oh, I didn't know. We I'm so have sorry. Brought it I'm up. So, right. You know, we shouldn't have even said. And what what needs to be understood is that when a mother or a parent loses a child, they don't want people to stop bringing it up. 
in every case that I've ever heard of, they don't want you to apologize for making them remember well, that their baby is gone. She said it. She was worried about a barrage of pity. Right, right. And, and pe- that's not a lot what she of times wanted. we people on the outside of the situation think, oh, my bad for making you relive that memory. Right. And what a grieving parent understands is that they remember the baby every day. Right. Regardless. Whether you mention it or not. Right. Right. And so they're looking for a way to be included in these events. You know, they want to like, hey, I'm still over here and I've got some thoughts, too. And some of them are pretty funny, you know, if you want to listen. But we don't know what to do with that because it's the rest of us who are super uncomfortable with a person saying a joke, you know, at a time like this. Like a like a a mother daughter tea, for example. It's like, well, do I have to have a daughter? Is it BYOD or will you provide me one if I Right. Yeah. Well and there I've heard many people ask questions before about, okay, I'm a I'm a single woman, but I'm a foster mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I have I have foster kids in my care. Does that count? Does that count? Or, you know, I'm a I'm a volunteer in the youth group. You know, and so I've got all these kids and I'd be happy to accompany one of them whose mom isn't in the picture for some reason. But but does does that that count? count? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to card me? Do I have to present a birth certificate? So there are plenty of awkward situations that could crop up around something like this. And what I've seen, which I appreciate Carla is not doing, is she's not trying to say like that it's not awkward. She's not trying to say it's not awkward, and she's right. not trying to say it's everybody else's fault or that right. they need to be aware of or make accommodations for right. her. You but know, at the same time, though, she is being um, she, she's being very selfless in recognizing the other person's point of view. Right. She's empathizing with the other people who have not lost a daughter, right. and she's thinking about them first. So all of that is that's exactly where you need to be in order to effectively use humor. Right. Because if um, first of all, uh, Carla, you're not responsible for how other people receive your sense of humor. You know, other people's, uh, th- this is 30, 30 plus years of standing on stage telling jokes. It is not my responsibility to make sure that other people get the joke. Yeah, but you are going to be there in the room when things get uncomfortable you're gonna be but but (laughs) knowing that but she's already aware of that and she's already she's already sympathetic to that and she's already uh she already knows that that's coming and knowing that it's coming is a huge advantage because you're not going to get blindsided when people go oh oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry you already know they're going to do that and so if you're um anticipating it gives you an advantage if you know how people are going to react then you can put that that wit that God has obviously given you to use and think up a couple of lines that you can say in response. You know that someone is going to say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. And then your that's where your personality and your sense of humor would have a line. My line would be, um, my, and I've used this line over and over in similar circumstances, I will say, yeah, I don't blame you entirely. Right. And and by saying entirely, it, it's I'm indicating to them that you had nothing to do with this. You know, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I don't blame you entirely. Um, but that's just my line. Right. But any, anything that you can do to let the other person know that there's no reason for you to be apologetic. There's no reason for you to be right sad about this. I've I'm I'm still sad. You're always going to carry some sadness. But I'm I'm getting through it. I'm getting right. and, and and I don't want you 
you know, now you're making me feel bad. You yeah. know, <laughs> like your, your, your sympathy is actually kind of a downer for me right now. And so, right. uh, so knock it off. Um, have I, uh, th- this is a good place to put in a, one of my favorite memes pertaining to urns and ashes or one of my favorite stories I ever heard on the internet. You okay. remember this. I know this story. Tabby yeah. brings it up all the time to my sister and we laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a random Reddit thread. I think it was Reddit. It was somewhere on the internet that's popular. And somebody just asked a question of like the online community and it was like, help, <laughs> really strange question here need some advice how do you unclump human ashes after they've gotten moisture in them and have stuck together and somebody in the thread was like i feel like there's a story here and this person it was a girl this like young college age girl was like yes so the the backstory is i walked in I walked into the house and my mom was in the kitchen with a butter knife hacking away at my (laughs) My father's father's ashes because they had turned into this massive brick, this like solid. Right. Well, they, over time, they, they do lose their, their moisture. They harden, they harden because there's, there's moisture in the ashes uh, and at they first. stick together. And then over time, yeah, they, they stick together. So apparently she needed a locket. Or she had, she was planning to wear her father's ashes and split them up between her and her brother or something or her sister and her mom. And mm. they they waited a while before they were able to find the perfect jewelry to carry around <laughs> the ashes in. There's, they finally found this like vial or locket. There's so much humor there too. Right. I'm looking right. for something I can put my dad's ashes well, it in. It took them a while, you yeah. know. Uh, you can't just Google that either, apparently. No. And so, but they did finally find something, some container, some vial, and they went to pour the ashes into these different necklaces. And it was just and a brick. it was a giant brick. And so then, like, the responses from people online had me, like, wiping tears <laughs> out of my eyes. They're like, you know, imagine trying to take... The one I remember was, imagine trying to take this out to the ocean and, like, yeeting this brick... <laughs> They started referring to it as the dad brick. (laughs) And everybody was like offering suggestions for how to get, quote, dad back on, like, back in powder form. That's what they kept. Repowderizing. Right. But they didn't refer to it as his ashes. They kept referring to it as dad, which Mm -hmm. just made it even funnier. Here, dad might respond to a low temp (laughs) oven. Like that. That kind of with thing. With a sponge. Put a sponge in there. <laughs> yeah, and it just made me laugh. But it also made me think, this is a guy. Oh, and, and one more thing, too. I have a friend who's who's a death doula, which means she helps families with final arrangements for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, she works closely with hospice care. Which and is she weird. Oft, it's weird, but she often shares eulogies that are humorous. Mm-hmm. I mean, bunches of them. I couldn't even give you an example because so many of them are running together. There's. I'm trying to think of a eulogy that didn't contain some humor. I've, I'm trying to think of a eulogy. I've been to a lot of funerals. Well, they and, used to be staff written by newspapers. Really? I mean, in the newspaper, like Ugh. published eulogies that were just, they used to be just form letters, basically. At, at some point, every funeral that I've been to, and most of mine have been Christian funerals, I'll admit, but most of them have contained jokes right at the expense of the deceased right at the expense of the deceased but what it it occurred to me as i'm looking at these eulogies that everybody appreciates and i'm listening to people talk about how to get the dad brick to you know soften again and i thought those are the ones that we remember the best right when you attach a joke to something or when you start laughing about 
situations, whatever the situation is, those are the ones that evoke the strongest emotions later. And mm-hmm. they're the ones that help us memorialize that person. You want people to remember mm-hmm. your daughter, your father, your loved one. The best thing that you can do for them is the best way to make them memorable is to laugh about that correct situation with the, those who are left behind because those who are left behind will have those memories attached to the laughter and the memories go together right for some reason that's just the way that it is right so and, and the other the other thing that's helpful and again carla we're not talking to you uh we i think you're pretty you well squared it. away you yeah. just have to get everybody else around you to up to speed the the, <laughs> the thing that a lot of people never realize and it causes them years of unnecessary pain is that when somebody is laughing at you they're actually paying you a compliment even if they don't know it even if even if their laughter is intended to be somewhat vicious um, when you are laughing at a person you're seeing that person you're you're Right. acknowledging that that person exists and is doing something that's worthy of your attention. And it is not possible to not respect a person that you are laughing at at some level, at some level that you're not even maybe aware of or willing to articulate, but you have respect for anybody who makes you laugh. Right. And that is, uh, that's, that's the truth. Well, I am sure that we will. I'm sure that we will retrace these steps in the future. We really appreciate the email, Carla. We do keep them coming. If if you also have a a, a thing that's happened, a point of pain in your life, if there's some grief in your life that you would like some help finding the humor in it, uh, write us at uh, nextdoor at johnbrandy.com or hit us up on Gab, Mewi. I just love this music. <laughs> or someplace else that we will, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> that's, that's not the end of the show. That was but a bad segue. That is All the right. end of the segment. And um, we're back. It's next time. And it's next time. Okay, so we don't have a whole lot of time for all this. Um, but I think you decided your last segment is only going to be like a quick, te- do you have something for your hill to die on? Which of course is the I last do. Segment? Okay. Of course well, I do. There um, are so many hills. I live in a world of hills. Every single one of them potentially lethal. Well, um, I guess, let's see. Let me pull this up real quick. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's this. Peaches in a whirl. Oh, I can't wait for this. I have no idea what this is. I don't really know what it is either because mm. I was going to go a different direction. And then because of the because of talking about like motherhood and and jokes and tragedy. So you're, you're calling an audible? You're yeah. going a different direction? Yeah, I don't know that term, but yes, I'm, because it's, it's. Yes, I don't know that term, but yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. It's perhaps not a coincidence that like the theme in my own household with my own sisters this week has been telling the truth and when is the truth appropriate and when is the truth inappropriate? And it's a very, very common thing in the United States to be like, well, yes, there's the truth, you know, we, we should always say things that are true, but at the same time, you you have to be careful because there's Why do you have to be careful? Well, that was my question. But it like when you ask that, it really blows people's minds because they're like, obviously you there are some things you shouldn't joke about. Correct. 
And well, I, I was wondering, I was asking because I wondered if there was a specific example about when you need to be careful, because this is a very common thing, especially among church people, where they're, everybody knows you're supposed to speak the truth in love. And there are and there are times and circumstances when speaking the truth, yeah, you maybe said the truth thing, but there was no love in it. Right. Well, for example, um, if you're frustrated with your spouse about something and... Um, and maybe, let me think, I can't even really think of what the example was this week. I was frustrated with Luke about something specific, I think pertaining to yard work, and then it rained, and then, you know, we weren't able to do the yard work like I wanted. And if, so, I, If you're going to be in a whirl about something, you really should remember what it is. Um, yeah, well, I know that it was pertaining to Luke, and that's the important thing, right? Because, because he's... The, yeah. He's your husband. Because he's the one who deserves my your full whirliness. Whirl, the full force no, of your gale. But he doesn't, and that was the point. I was talking to the sisters about like, well, I'm frustrated by this, and I don't know if it's me or I don't know if it's him. It's probably me mostly, but you know, also there's this thing that he does that I wish that I wish he was more clear when I ask him, Can we do this? And his response is we can't when really what is it should be is I'd prefer not to. I just don't want to, mm -hmm. you know. So there's a lack of directness there. But none of that's really pertinent to the point. What I asked was, how much would our world change? How how great could humanity be? And how many things could we do so great if we just said what we really believe to be true? If we just, instead of being upset with people for saying it at the quote wrong time, mm -hmm. what if we just said what we really meant when it occurred to us when we realized it. Like if I just said, I'm mad at you, that doesn't mean that you're wrong per se, you know, it could even mean that I'm wrong for something, but just having the freedom to speak that truth whenever, whenever it's there, whenever it applies, how would that affect, you know, how would that habit affect the entire human race down the road? Uh, well, it depends. Some, it would it would immediately kill about a quarter of the people alive. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't think it was even that like revolutionary. Right. So it, it would cut the population by a by a quarter. Yeah, the remaining three quarters would probably thrive. They would yeah. they would build a, a a better civilization. I recognize that there are many situations where discerning what the truth is is difficult. Like I recognize there are times where you hear a report on the news or you hear a story that's probably gossip from mm -hmm. somebody who's third or fourth hand. Right. I get that like those situations are difficult because you can't always speak the truth because you just don't know what it is. But you do have, even though you don't have access to verify how true they are, you do have immediate emotional responses to those things. And right. so if you were to say, I'm angry right now, right. what we do as people is we is we assume that because you're angry i have done something wrong and that's the right. so therefore so then i get angry because i feel like i haven't done anything wrong right. and here you're angry at me and i didn't do anything wrong when right. actually both of us are just saying that we're feeling angry right. right now and we're not blaming each other necessarily we don't have to we don't have to yeah it doesn't have to be a blame game but we tend to yeah. You know, I'm sad right now. And it's like, oh, well, then I feel like now I feel pressure because I should do something so that you feel less sad. Yes. And so we take on other people's emotions, which is yep. sort of what we were talking about in the earlier segment. With yeah, the, that's with why I said it came yeah. to me because of what we were talking about earlier. It's tangentially related. But, um, but so many of the questions that I see from women to other women are like decorum. 
You know, they have to they have to do with social mores or the rules. way you're supposed to respond. Right. Unwritten rules about how you're supposed to take responsibility for the way that others feel. Right. And it's like, what if we just got it all out on the table? I feel this way, you feel this way. And then we didn't extrapolate all of these random, you know, conclusions from that. Right. If we just got in the habit of saying, This is what's going on in my head right now. What's going on in your head? Okay, I can deal with that. You know, let's now let's go forward and try to figure out more, more of what's both, true. We've both said what we're, what we feel or what we think, depending right. on how you want to apply that. And now, yeah, let's, let's just keep going and see if we right. can, and we, feelings, if we can figure out if these emotions are justified right. or not. If and there's feelings a reason are always we should be true. Angry. Like if you say I'm angry and you're angry, then that is, that is true. And it's I true. do believe that the truth will set us free. But I think we spend a lot of time trying to deny the truth, mm-hmm. you know, dance around the truth. And we spend a lot of time wallowing in those feelings yes. as if they're yes. good and correct in and of themselves. Right. And they may not be. They there may, may not, not be. be a reason to be sad. There may not be a reason to be angry. There may not be a reason right. to be embarrassed. And this, I think this goes back to the very first segment too with our wedding vows. I think, I think that if we just got in a habit of going, okay, What's true about this situation right now? What do I know to be true right now? I know mm-hmm. that I'm not feeling good. You know, I know that I'm not happy to be here. I know that I don't like when my husband's watching football or I don't like when, when my wife is, you know, complaining about her day or whatever. All of those are actually true statements, even if they are not the way that you wish reality were in that moment. Well, it's true that you feel that way. Yes. And w- again, whether or not there's justification for that feeling, that's what yeah. You have to figure out and explore. Right. That's called introspection. Right. So that's just been, that's been my headspace for the last several days because, you know, there would be too many examples to even list as far as every question that I've seen coming from various people, various sources, they're always having to do with like, well, what should I do? Or how should I talk to this other person? Or so what should I, I don't say? So I don't feel this way. So or I don't they feel, stop right, feeling right, right. the way that they're feeling. So I can control everybody's emotions. How do I control these people? And I just think that... What's the best way to start manipulating the people I care about? <laughs> they don't know that's what they're doing. They really are trying to be selfless. <laughs> I know. You know, they're trying to be... They're trying to take responsibility for being nice, you know, being a kind person. They don't want to upset anyone. And that's, no. that's great. But I just feel like we would we would make so many immediate gigantic strides as a human race if we would just get in the habit of speaking true things. Right, but those two things you you also know that those two things that you just said. I don't want to upset people, but I want to speak the truth. Those oh, those are mutually look, exclusive. I could spend the next eight segments, uh, peaches and oral segments, just talking about that tension right. and how talking, people have a hard time with it. Yeah, nothing. I've made the statement before that nothing is of as offensive as the truth and right. i believe that's that's true if you want yep. to if you really want to upset somebody tell them the straight up truth about themselves or tell them how you're feeling and <sighs> they will they will oftentimes lose their minds oh man and yeah well if you have a if you're the type of person who is uh who's well adjusted enough to know that occasionally there are going to be people who disagree with you Occasionally, there are going to be people who feel differently than you do mm-hmm. about the exact same circumstances that you're both going through. Mm-hmm. Some people deal with, I mean, everybody deals with grief. Everybody deals with celebration. Everybody everybody expresses themselves Sometimes you know, people wake up on different sides of the bed. Sometimes they wake up on different <laughs> sides of the bed. They get up, they get out of the wrong side of the bed. 
Right. Um, and once you, once you kind of realize, oh, how this person feels has sometimes maybe a little bit to do with me. I mean, there are occasions where, where the interaction uh, with me and the, uh, and the people I'm, I'm with, it's a factor, but it's not the driving factor most of the time. There are, there are other things at play. And once you realize that and you go, oh, just because this person's feeling a, a way that I wish they didn't feel doesn't mean that this relationship is on the rocks and it's time to throw in the towel and it's time to, it's time to make use of that wedding vow that I took that says, well, if I don't feel like staying married <laughs> to you, I'm not going to stay married to you anymore. Not necessarily time to yes. throw that switch. <clears throat> well, that's what people are afraid of, I think. Because it's like they weren't expecting it. They said for better or worse, and they weren't expecting that feelings would sometimes be worse. People say for better or for worse, and they have no idea how much worse things can be. Oh, man. But that's all I've got. I just wanted to say, be thinking about the truth and speak the truth and trust that that is God's grace to us. God's grace in our life is having this thing where... He tells us, you know, when you seek me, you will find me. And he's given us these minds and he's given us this ability to communicate in ways far beyond any other creature that he's, you know, that he's made. And I think that we should take that opportunity to say true things, even when those true things are a little awkward or they're a little uncomfortable or when people in your vicinity aren't going to get it right away. Right. Well, um, the truth is the truth, regardless the truth of how truth. people feel about it. Right. The truth is the truth. And we, we can start small. You don't have to tell me you know, that which news sources you trust yet. Like you don't have to tell me whether the thing you heard about so-and-so's second cousin's wife is right. true or not. Just tell me how you're feeling. Just tell you how, just tell you, just write to peaches at next door at jobradio.com and tell her how you feel. So, oh just, boy, this is, yeah, go ahead and do that. This is about nothing else. I just want you to, your, your email should contain just one line. Dear peaches, I feel blank. And then just Actually, leave. if that's all it is, that would be super easy. I would yep. be like, thank you for sharing, Carl. Mm-hmm. I can handle that. Thank okay. you. And we'll read them. Are we going <laughs> sure, to read sure them? We're going to read them. All right. All right. Okay. Are we done with that? Do I? Because we only got a few minutes to do my thing. Yes. Here we go. Here's your thing. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, John Brady Till to Die On. This is a segment where I uh, draw a line, plant a flag, and I say, this is what I think is true. And we decided, I should probably mention here, Carl, I told him he's not allowed to actually explain too much anymore because I want him to propose war and um, invite you to join him. And if you're not immediately convinced that it's a good hill to die on, then you should also write to us and Next tell door us. Next door at jobbrandy.com yeah, and tell me why, why I shouldn't like die it. on this hill. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's a quote from Gab. Not Twitter, Gab. Uh, It's not that there's anything scripturally abhorrent about drums in church. The problem is that it's deeply suspicious that a church, which should be inducting me into the eternal mysteries of the transcendental, chases fashions and expresses itself with second-rate performances of second-rate songs and contemporary idioms. No institution that has anything worthwhile to say about the great truths of the universe should try so desperately to be cool or relevant. Okay, it goes on from there, but that's enough. One of the comments underneath that sentiment was, wow, more biblical wisdom here than from so many who have claimed a, quote, Christian life for decades. And so I responded to that 
comment. I said, suggesting statements that contain no biblical references are examples of biblical wisdom is the kind of thing that happens when people go to church and hear drums instead of doctrine. Uh, The response, you don't see biblical wisdom in no institution that has anything worthwhile to say about the great truths of the universe should try so desperately to be cool um, or relevant. So this isn't a quote. This person didn't quote chapter and verse, but seems to say exactly what James 4.4 says. Do you know this wisdom? Okay, so my hill that I'm going to die on today is that biblical wisdom, in order to count as biblical wisdom, it has to be in the Bible. Um, <laughs> that's am, your hill that's the hill because what we what we've got here is an exchange and i think this is is pretty prevalent um you've got people who are taking concepts that you can that that may be biblical concepts uh, kindness uh justice truth etc and so on and you're saying well this is biblical wisdom i will agree with you that it is that it is wisdom and I believe that all truth is God's truth. But I think it's dangerous when we start putting the word biblical in front of my personal opinion about something. I say, well, this is a biblical truth. And it's just my expression of my point of view. It may be shaped by biblical concepts, but it's not right and it's not correct for me to say this is a biblical truth unless it's coming directly from the Bible. That's the hill that I'm going to die on. Okay. Okay. Well, you heard the man. <laughs> You're not even going to push back on me a little I'm bit. I'm not supposed to. Oh, I ha- okay. You have to propose war, and then we see if anybody wants to join you. Biblical truth has to come from the Bible. There, I said it. Well, that's, okay. Yeah, that was, that was almost <laughs> obvious, and I'm not sure if people are going to. Before, I was going to guess that people weren't going to necessarily join you on that hill, but if it's just biblical truth is always biblical, then I think you Specifically, may have it has to come from the Bible. Okay. It's not a paraphrased idea. Which right. uh, which button do I push while we're wrapping up here? I don't know. Okay, I think it's this one. I, which one of us is the producer again? I always forget. I always forget too. Mm-hmm. My my daughter keeps coming in here and trying to like play with pencil shavings and <laughs> slamming the bathroom <laughs> right, door. We let, we let her go. Uh, thanks for joining us, Carl. Yeah, that's all we got. We got to end so that I can go wash the the graphite off my wall. Hit us up if you've got a comment next door at johnbrandy.com and uh, we will we'll see you next week. Bye, Carl. Look for John Brandian on MeWe and Gab. Also, be part of the show by sending your questions to nextdoor at johnbrandian.com. See you next time, neighbor.